Hey there, I'm Judy Kroon. Welcome to another episode of Laugh Long and Prosper. Shelf help with some humor. I believe that humor is one of our best coping mechanisms, especially when we're facing stress in unknown times like COVID. Today is Monday. That means it's time for just another mindful Monday. I know continuing to write comedy has been a, a source of mindfulness for myself. So on the phone with me today, I thought over the next couple of weeks, I could talk to some fellow female comics about using comedy to sort of help us get through COVID and in a number of ways. Uh, my good friend, Martha Chavez. Martha is a Latin Canadian LGBTQ award-winning comedian, actor, activist, and playwright with her unique sense of humor, friendly in-your-face style, and devilish charm. Martha paints hilarious stories uh, drawn heavily from personal experience, like her upbringing in Latin America. She came to Canada as a refugee, but Martha has established herself as one of the country's most sought after comedians. She's known throughout Canada for her coast to coast stand up tours and for her tailor made corporate shows, uh, her many appearances on the Just for Laughs Festival, the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, the Debaters, and she's a regular cast member of the hit CBC show Because News. Martha, welcome to the show. Thank you, Judy. All of those credits. I wonder who who wrote that. <laughs> I, I no, you just, who wrote it. Yeah. You yeah. deserve it. You deserve it. You have so many more credits, and we can certainly talk about those throughout the show. But I want to ask you right off the top. I know COVID's been stressful for uh, a lot of people, and you know you've always had this great energy. But I know you're stressed, as everybody is stressed. So. Do you, uh, I've always wondered, I've always wanted to ask you, do you ever practice mindfulness or meditation? Like, how do you slow down the, the mind of Martha Chavez? Well, you know, <laughs> I gotta be on Like I, I have practiced uh, meditation. I, um, I read a lot from that monk whose name I cannot pronounce to chat some, some, something. <laughs> it doesn't and, matter. Uh, it also, I cannot pronounce the name, but it's, it's a, I read a lot of uh, inspirational things, but in reality, in these times of COVID, to relax, I watch murder movies. I watch, <laughs> Good. <laughs> I watch serial killer series because, you know, we've been going through so much that when I, watch, I see that, I, I think at least we are not going through that. Exactly. At least, at least the Zodiac the killer is not attacking at the moment. But no, True. no, that's, I'm just kidding. But I do practice mindfulness. My partner forces me because she's, because she's working at home and uh, <laughs> she doesn't want to be driven where I live in, in crazy land. You know? so <laughs> I do. I try to, I try to, in spite of everything. Well, I am. I, um, being from uh, Central America, and I mean Central America, and having lived through the earthquake and the revolution in Nicaragua, I kind of know what it is—an uh, emergency situation. And uh, even even when they told us on the Friday, the 13th, 2020, when <laughs> when I it was when I found out that the COVID was serious, because the problem with COVID is that it it, it didn't have a good branding, mm -hmm. you know, like I did, you know, we had COVID, we had Corona, we had SARS number 217, like he had a branding problem. 
that you serial killers <laughs> teach you. If right. you want to become famous and people to pay attention to you, pick a stick and a name and stick to it. But with this COVID, we didn't know. Remember when we, we were making memes about Corona beer? Yes, and, uh, right. Way you, back you, when, you're right. You, we were making them, but I, then I called home from Niagara Falls where I was um, where I was uh, doing shows and it was empty. You know how Niagara is full of Americans? Mm-hmm. Well, there was no America. They, they, they usually go to, to the falls to buy Cuban cigars, but the Cuban cigar stores were empty of Americans. Mm. They look like Cuba. And then <laughs> no America. No, so I, I really thought something is up. Mm. And, uh, and then Linda tells me, my partner tells me that she, she will have to work from home uh, for an indefinite period. And I knew this is serious because she works for the government. I'm sleeping with the enemy. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. So when I come back home, uh, the first thing I do, because I learned from my parents when I was little, when the earthquake, is to go to the stores to, to get supplies. Mm. You know, because you, you fear there won't be any supplies, you know. But this is this was a, in, in my experience with disasters, like national emergency, this has been the weirdest one because the enemy is invisible. Uh, and, uh, and on top of it, we are stuck at home and we are complaining that we are gaining weight and watching television. Right, we're complaining there's day. nothing on, there's com- we're complaining <laughs> there's nothing on Netflix. I know, and you know what? You yeah. raise a very good point because you were born in Nicaragua and I don't know if a lot of folks uh, know this, but you grew under, uh, you grew up under a dictatorship. Your parents were lawyers. Your family was home was destroyed in the 1972 Nicaraguan earthquake. This is all when you were 17. So you were sent to Canada where you studied at Concordia. Uh, your family also fled from the Contra war and fearing that your younger brothers would be forced to fight in the army, your parents and three younger siblings became your refugees in Guatemala. So yes. it's true. Like we're, we're joking and saying, oh, I need to relax and watch Handmaid's Tale. But you've actually gone through some very stressful times. Your family's gone through some really stressful <clears throat> times, right? Yeah. So you know yeah. how to, you know, you know, if anybody knows, okay, is this an emergency or is this not an emergency, right? Yeah, well, we I knew that it was an emergency. The, the thing is that I am a, a hypochondriac germophobe. So now all my fears are justified. So it makes me <laughs> so it makes me happy in one way, but very unhappy. I have this apocalyptic mind. And, and, uh, and in the other hand, I, I, um, I have to know that we just have to wait till this all pass. Mm-hmm. If it will ever pass, I mean, in the meantime, um, not, try not to become too, like, because why worry like you and like everybody about the future? Right. But in reality, I, we have been uh, some of the lucky people because uh, we had a roof over our heads and, and extra food to eat to the point that I gained weight <laughs> during, <laughs> during a disaster. Who gains weight during a, during a a disaster, and then we are still complaining, right? <laughs> but uh, but uh, it is it is um it is concerning because uh, our, our business, the comedy business, has um ha- has taken a dive 
Definitely. Definitely. I don't know. You know, I it's a weird, know. it's a weird, uh, it's sort of a weird dichotomy because in one, on one hand, we have so much time to be able to create and write, but at the same time, the clubs are either shut down or you're performing behind plexiglass or, you know, people are afraid to come to the clubs. It's so you're, you're stuck in this weird quagmire, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yes. We are writing more, but um, I have had, um, I have had trouble writing about about other things that have that don't have anything to do with what we are living well and you've always spoke you've already always spoke the truth so i don't think you should ever fight that if if writing about covid is your form of therapy is your form of meditation then keep writing about that you know because um because it's it's important if you're feeling that way a lot of other people are feeling that way yeah a lot about that but then again would people want to listen to that when we actually come back? And also there is a fear that, uh, that uh, we will never go back to what it was before, which is in some, some ways good. Um, like, like for example, we have sharpened other, other abilities like to perform on Zoom. Yeah. And um, it's not that I love it, but I mean, at least we had this, at least we had technology. Definitely. And you've been um, doing, you've been doing a lot of other stuff as well. Tell us about your show, your show that you're doing with CBC right now. Oh, well, it's a quiz show. Mm -hmm. It's a quiz show. And then we talk about the news and then, and it's it's funny because you don't want to, um, you don't want to be right all the time Mm -hmm. because otherwise the show wouldn't be funny. So you write the jokes about, about that is that's that's uh, that's been an outlet in the other in the other hand i um i'm seeing my life passing by you know <laughs> i'm gonna be an old bro- an older broad <laughs> an old broad hardly <laughs> an latin older is satin hardly marta <laughs> you even you say latin is satin latin is you're not you don't show your age at all no no but what i mean is is uh what's gonna happen i have no idea as long as and we don't we don't have to resource to cannibalism. That's a that's a, yet because the, the news they drive you crazy today. All they've been saying is that because of the chain supply or the supply chain, however you say, the, the supermarkets are getting empty. So I know it's crazy. It's crazy. It, it is, is crazy. crazy. It is crazy. I wanted to ask you because I had uh, I never knew this about you, but you wanted to, um, you had studied languages. I mean, how many languages do you speak, by the way? Is it three or four, right? I speak four fluently. Okay, like, and wh- like, like if you can call fluently the way I speak English. Yeah. <laughs> English, Spanish, French, and Italian, correct? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I had read that you studied languages and translation at Concordia, but you were nervous about your accent, which I think is so bizarre because your accent is what makes you that it's part of what makes you so lovable on stage, but you built your self-confidence for, uh, public speaking by taking a, a comedy course. So you actually got in to stand up initially because you wanted to work on your accent. Am I right? I, wa- I wanted to work on my public speaking mm. because I wanted to, I wanted to be a tour guide. Oh, really? I mean, I mean I, yeah, with the languages and everything, I wanted to actually apply to the city of Montreal 
to be um, a tour guide. And, and I really didn't know the city. It's like I would say, look, that's the statue of Jacques Cartier. He's the one who invented the Cartier watches. But now you go and do it because people would be Googling now. So that was going to be a career that just, I was going to get away to with the back then. <laughs> yeah, but no, no. The, but the thing is that I, I always loved stand-up comedy, but I never knew that I could do it because I am foreign, I am a foreigner. I, I, didn't, I didn't know, but I took the course with Andy Nullman, the CEO of Jobs for Love. And then the graduation was um, a show. And then I like really the next day, Judy, of my first, I don't know how it was for you, but the next day of my first uh, show, which I killed because I had a lot of friends <laughs> in the <laughs> audience and I practiced the, five, the same five minutes like a million times. And, um, and, uh, and uh, the, the, the next day I woke up in this, in this state of grace, let's say, like when people say that they were called to be nuns or priests, I woke <laughs> up and I thought, I really thought that I was ready to go in the Letterman show. I really thought that, you know, because it's, I didn't really know how hard it was going to be to pursue a career in, um, in stand-up comedy, not being from native, you know, I mean, not native mm -hmm. as indigenous, but not being uh, fluently completely in English or French. And uh, I didn't know that that was gonna be my best weapon, if you wish. It is your best weapon. I mean, one of my favorite jokes of yours is, hey, it's great to be here. Uh, I, uh, um, I'm from the, I, sis I, the sister, the sister city of Mississauga, Nicaragua. <laughs> from Nicaragua. Yeah, that's what I always I, I say about Linda, that I have, a, I had to, I had to be the one who navigates the pandemic, because I am from Nicaragua, and she's from Mississauga. What is the, 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 the <laughs> The biggest disaster that she survived, the big snowstorm when the federales had to send the army, I say. That's just right. I am with somebody from Mississauga. But yeah, um, if I had no, it's, I reflecting upon my life. Yes, please reflect. <laughs> Recently, I have, um, because you wonder, I don't know if you as a stand-up wonder, uh, what, what could I, ha I have done better? So I would have had a bigger well, career. That's what I wanted to ask you. Not so much about having a bigger career, because I think you have a great career, but I would re just rephrase it because uh, I would I wanted to ask you, looking back now, is there anything you would have done differently? What sort of, do you have a, a top five or even a couple of things that you would have done differently with the advantage of, of hindsight? Well, you know, I, I would have... I would have um, vanquished my fear of driving mm. because I have a, I have a, like, you know, some people have phobias about going in planes. Mm -hmm. I have a phobia about me driving a car. Oh, I never knew that. I didn't know that you were afraid of driving because I knew that you didn't drive, but I didn't realize that was because you had a fear of driving. Well, but I did drive in Central America and I had like three accidents. <laughs> I you didn't know, know like that. <laughs> So maybe it's a good thing that you're not driving. <laughs> I, I am too distracted. I'm like, you know, woo. I, so, <laughs> and, and I can drive in Central America. 
because it's the law of the jungle and uh, and there is only <laughs> I don't know if that's like, good Martha no but it's I mean there is only two lanes it's not multiple lanes that you have to change right and I, like all of that discombobulates me to no end and then if, if I had learned how to drive maybe I would I would have moved to the United States really like I wanted mm. at one point and uh, and have more opportunity because of being Latina. I had good management mm-hmm. in the early in the early two thousand. Mm-hmm. I had the same people that manage uh, Chris Rock, that manage Louis C.K. and all of those perils. And and then uh, <laughs> and then they were just waiting for me to move, take acting lessons, and stuff like that. In hindsight, also I think that was a blessing because I met Linda and all I wanted out of life is to really be happy with somebody exactly and I am am happy with her but career-wise I wish I would have um, pursued maybe the ability to perform in biggest in big stages in the United States like on tours with Latin people and all of that and I you can get a a permit but it's very expensive. Like I have gotten permits before right. to go do shows there, but it's that's the that's the unfairness of uh, of uh, the the trade the, the trade agreement. Because when Americans come here, they pay $130, $150. I know. It's a weird, weird imbalance. I know. So aside from the driving, is there anything else that you would have done differently in terms of how you approached your material or approached your writing style? Or like, how long did it take for you to get the character of Martha Chavez on stage where you actually felt, okay, I got this. I know how to do this. Did you have that right away? Or did that, did that take a couple of years. No, right away, I, 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 most of the time, I did well. You know, I did well. I did well with with the jokes about the accent. I did well about with with jokes about where I come from and all of that. But now, like uh, twenty years later, like in the maybe maybe two thousand and ten, two thousand eleven. I started being more me that I remember you used to tell me, just talk like you talk. Right. <laughs> it's just say whatever. And you know, I had a I had an epiphany once hmm. that when I saw this uh this comic who fakes an accent hmm. that that actually people loved him because he talked like that. Hmm. So I thought I'm not gonna be so concerned of not sounding uh, stupid. Right. Because, you know, when you have an accent, people think that you're, I'm just going to be concerned of of, uh, of saying what I want to say. But uh, still, you know, now I believe that when we come out from this, we we will have to do another search for our, our voice. Because right. our voice have, has changed, I think. I, yeah, well, our, our perspective has has certainly changed. And this is something um, which sort of brings me to my next question. It is an important it is an important event that can't help but affect us going forward. But again, just looking prior to COVID and just looking at your life and all the things that have happened, can you uh, pick out one or maybe two important things that happened to your life prior to COVID, let's say, that affected your career. Um, so, for example, for me, one of the 
I don't know if it's important, but I'd say one of the things that happened to me very early on, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian, but then, you know, all of my fruit flies escaped and, you know, 50% <laughs> of my fruit flies and 70% of my final mark flew out of the biology <laughs> class window. And I just <laughs> totally panicked and went into the grip and I just did stand up comedy on a whim because I wanted something different to do. Did you have something like that, like a light bolt thing that happened? Or is that what happened to you when you said you just wanted to work on your you wanted to work on your public speaking? And that's how you got into stand up oh, comedy. Oh, yeah. OK, so I get into stand up comedy. Um, I performed that first that time. And then I my name off and, and all of, my name off also tortured me. And um, and the, and then he said, well, what you have to do is to do every Wednesday at the every Monday at the Comedy Works, every Wednesday at the Comedy Nest, and and just uh, get to the weekend, uh, get to do Thursday, then get to do weekend, then get to get paid, and then in about a year, I was doing translations at the time, um, and uh, about in a year and a half, I saw that I could uh, do only a part-time job and then, and then I could pursue being, being a, a headliner. Because you know, when we start stand-up comedy, stand-up comedy, it is an art, I find. I mean, but it is the only art in which the newbie believes that, 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 that after one month, you are a comedian. That's true. Like, it doesn't happen. Like you start strumming a guitar, you don't think you're going to be playing with the symphony anytime soon, you know? <laughs> with, the, with the first piano, with the, with the twinkle, twinkle little star in the piano. But then in, in, in stand-up, you get this arrogance that you could end because I did well. I did a lot of times I did well. I did well. Then the, the, the issue was, move from Montreal to Toronto because in Toronto is where, where you're going to get all of the stage times and really your worth is going to be evaluated as a comic because you have to play. Montreal was very little in, uh, for the Anglo comedy community and that we were all very um, nurtured and cocooned. And here it was, people told you it was the law of the jungle. Mm -hmm. And then uh, so I came to here to become a headliner. And then I wanted to be the headliner that I would pay to go watch. And then, and then you, and you know, I have loved the art of stand-up comedy, but always conscious that in Canada, they, they, we are devaluated a lot. The, the other day, the other day recently, like on Monday, I get an email from this guy. I am your biggest fan. I love you. On Because News, I have uh, this show and I want you to be a judge of uh, choirs. And it was, I'm not going to say the town, but it was in another town. And uh, we can't pay you. We will pay your transportation and your hotel and a per diem. And I was going to say, well, I felt like saying my per diem will be at least $500 a day. <laughs> <laughs> because they, they can't pay you and then they said that they can't pay you because the the COVID have, have hit them bad but they, don't they think that we have been really badly hitting I mean really badly hit by COVID it's like people take advantage because exactly for, for what we were saying anybody can say oh well if, if that person doesn't want to do it because you're not paying 
a new comic will go, yeah, I'll do it. And they with no experience or, or anything. It's a hard business if we, if, you, if we really think about it. It is a hard business. And what I admire about you, you're probably um, one of the sort of hardest working comedians in terms of you're always writing, you're always working, you're, uh, um, but the other thing I really like about you as well, which I find is, I don't know if this is deliberately your purpose in, in life, you know, I mean, I talk about, I talk about purpose, um, in my keynote and just having something bigger, you know, being, we, we all want to belong to something bigger and, and leave some sort of legacy behind, but that's what I've always admired about you as a person, as well as a comic, you are a, a, an incredible human rights activist. You use humor to challenge the status quo in four different languages. Um, you're also a host of When Feminists Rule the World. This is, by the way, folks, a new podcast series uh, series produced by the Nobel Women's Initiative, which is run by five Nobel Peace Prize winners. Tell us a little bit about that podcast. Well, you know, I am kind of like um, the accidental activist because uh, I, have, I have always tried to raise awareness uh, with my comedy. Although you, when you see me, you're gonna, what are we talking about, Marta Chavez? <laughs> <laughs> you're silly, silly as hell. You've been raising awareness. But I, I think that it is already so subversive, the fact that I, Marta Chavez, who I am ethnic and all, and all of that, I, that I do stand-up comedy as it is with you because women have not been very welcome in this um, profession, you know, and, uh, and, and we have been like pioneer, the pioneers, Judy. You, I always look up to you. I always looked up to you. I always thought I want to be as funny and beautiful and tall. <laughs> as Judy Crone, <laughs> but uh, but uh, and also your discipline, your voice, everything. But the thing is that I don't know from where. One day I get this this uh, message from my agent Tony, that says to me that this group, in Ottawa, which are they are called the Nobel Women's Initiative, they that they are looking for me, because they want me to go as a delegate. In a, on a trip to witness um, testimonies from the victims of the drug wars and, mm. and uh, sexual trafficking and all of that in Mexico, Guatemala, and Honduras. And uh, I immediately say, yes, <laughs> because I- Of course you did. It was something new to do. <laughs> and I wanted to know what it was. And when I get there, Judy, when I get to the, to the place, and it is all of these women, mm. like in the delegation, mm. amazing, kick-ass, badass activists. Uh, I felt really insecure because I, I thought, well, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> and there is, there is this woman who made a doc, Pamela Yates, who made a documentary on the on on, on the dictator, the horrendous dictator from Guatemala. She won an Oscar for that documentary. Incredible. Uh, like that, there were a lot of amazing. There is Jody Williams. She won the Nobel Peace Prize for fighting against the landmines. Mm -hmm. Marta Chavez, comedian <laughs> from Yak Yaks. <laughs> 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 there was Maria Hinojosa, 
who is a, an amazing activist from the United States, immigration and all of that. So I, I was a, I was a little bit um, threatened. Mm. But you know, like we went to hear that I didn't have to say anything. All I had to do is listen because women came to talk about in Mexico, for example, the first country that we went to, the women came to to talk about when when the cartels kidnapped their child and mm. how, how were the, this delegation going to, to deal with, uh, with this, how we were going to help them and, and all of that. And I, I heard a lot of interesting things, but at the end of the, of the meetings with the witnesses, if you want to call them that way, people were like, the energy was sucked, you know, like uh, totally. Mm-hmm. And I, I performed comedy for them, for the women, and I made them laugh. And uh, that was my, my that the relief. Then we go to Guatemala where my family lives. And, um, and I have always, I have um, maybe 25 years of going around all over Canada saying what a proud Canadian that I am. And I didn't know about the mining practices of Canadian mines in Guatemala. Mm. And it was like if my world broke, right. you know, like, uh, oh, I thought that we were nice and polite and we said sorry for everything. Right. And I, and I, uh, and it's like discovering because Canada is my adoptive mother, but it's like discovering that your adoptive mother is a, has horrendous personality traits. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, no. We're, we're certainly not perfect. We definitely have, uh, no. we definitely and, have our share of, uh, bad things that we've done but yeah and, and then my when I came back I found it hard to to continue saying what a proud Canadian mm-hmm. that I was I had to work on my pride but anyway I kept connection with the with this uh, organization and they asked me if I wanted to hold to host their podcast and I said with this voice and uh, and they said, because I don't have your voice for radio, right? And they said, yes, we don't mind the voices. We just want the humor. And then I have interviewed. In those, we only have done three seasons of five episodes each. It is not, they are not humorous. I, uh, I ask questions to these guests, like uh, anybody that doesn't know anything about anything would ask. Like, for example, I had a, a woman that uh, that worked in um, insecurity and um, artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. like you know, and I had to interview her. Like uh, my contact with artificial intelligence is the Roomba. That that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I have never entertained the fact that in some countries there are robots coming to kill people. Sure, you know, and yeah. uh, the, the woman was like. I had a woman, her name was Gaia Deya Khan, K-H-A-N. Mm-hmm. She, she's um, it's a, a documentary person, a maker, who actually infiltrated the Taliban. No. And, yeah, and she made the, the boss of the Taliban cry. I even said to her, you wow. know, I thought, up to this day, I thought, to, be, to go perform by the pipeline in Alberta, where they had never seen a Latin woman, was a was badass. But now, when I see that you made the, the Taliban, the, the 
the big boss of the Taliban who is <laughs> cry, cry in regret. Then she infiltrated, um, she infiltrated a group of, of, of neo-Nazis mm. in a south town in the United States. Incredibly, incredibly interesting women. Women, I when the whole Black Lives Matter uh, was happening in 2020, I interviewed Raquel Willis, a trans transgender activist, uh, black transgender activist. So I have learned a lot with these uh, podcasts. And, well, um, and I totally understand what you're saying, that it is intimidating to be with such powerful women who seem like they're doing things that it's like, oh my God, where do they get the courage to do that? But your gift, as you said, uh, you know, you performed, they wanted some comedy because it's heavy. Like, and I think humor is one of those gifts that, uh, that we've been able to give to people during these, these difficult times. Uh, I saw a quote recently, someone was saying, you know, when you were hiding in your house during COVID, when you were wondering what, what, what's going to happen next you turn to the artists you turn to the musicians the filmmakers the comedians so don't underestimate martha chavez don't underestimate your purpose here you're here you're here now for uh, a reason probably no, no. that you know I, no i don't underestimate underestimate it but what i mean is there are so many things that we have been ignorant about. I know. And I know. now that I know them, I cannot go back. <laughs> I, I, cannot, I cannot go back to not knowing. And this is a, this has become from 2016, see, when the orange uh, moron came into the... In the Trump. Uh, into the Trump. Yes, when Trump came, I don't want to even mention him. I don't even want to mention him anymore. Remember, I was obsessed for four years. Yes. About Trump, about Trump. I don't post any, not even for the, because it's like, if you, if you say the name, it can show up. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to go to Twitter anymore because I don't want to read anything about them. I, uh, because I see that, that, that injustice prevails. Otherwise they would be in jail, all of them. All right, Martha, I do have to wrap this up. So I want to, first of all, thank you so much for joining me on uh, Laugh Long and Prosper, because I've been thinking about you for a long time. I'm like, I got to get Martha on the show. I am so happy for you for, for all of your success. You are doing so well. And like I said, it's not only just comedy that you're doing, but you're an amazing activist. You're an amazing human being. And you're, Thank a, very, you, Judy. you're a very good friend. So uh, Martha Chavez, folks, if you'd like to reach out to Martha, you can uh, reach her on Facebook. Again, it's Martha Chavez with an S. If you want to email Martha, you can email her at comedy Martha Chavez with an S comedy Martha Chavez at gmail.com. And um, listen to my sorry, and listen to when feminists rule the world. Yes, Please. when feminists rule the world. It sounds like an amazing podcast, and uh, definitely, folks have to check it out. Very, very important. And uh, a new podcast series, uh, well, a couple of seasons now, but produced by the Nobel Women's Initiative, and very cool. And Martha Chavez is on that. So, uh, folks, thank you so much once again for joining me on Laugh Long and Prosper. And if you'd like to catch up on any of my other episodes, voted one of the best podcasts of 2021 in Canada by CTV. You can check me out at Judy Croon on Spotify and or SoundCloud and or Amazon, or you can go to my website, Judy Croon. Com. Martha, once again, thank you so much. Thank you, Judy. I, 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 I also want to plug my album, 
Absolutely. Go ahead. Give it a plug. Chunky Salsa is called. It's in all the platforms. And there is another one coming up that I still don't have the name. But um, we will see. (laughs) Well, well, you know what? When it comes out, when it comes out, we'll definitely do another podcast about it. But yes, Chunky Salsa. Salsa. I love that title. I remember when you were looking for a title and you said Chunky Salsa. I'm like, that's it. I love it. (laughs) All right, folks. Until next time. Thank you. I love you. I love you too, Martha. Until next time, folks, laugh long and prosper.